call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 78 of Call It Friendo, the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself and DJ Richie and my co-host Donica Tiernan watched the Before Trilogy from director Richard Linklater. That's Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friendo Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations, please. Okay, so we're finally back face-to-face. We took a week off. I'm in Barcelona. We're yeah, recording yeah. onto one laptop. What could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> if you're hearing this, then it went off without that many major And be, I mean, well, it's just me and Andy are super busy. We have a, a, a project <laughs> while he's in Barcelona. We're gonna we have fi- a baby. We're going to find him a wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, like, oh, somebody who can get put nails into his passport, you know, and stick it to the Spanish earth, and then he could stay here forever. Yeah. That's the plan, right? That's the plan, yeah. Until you... <laughs> Just find me a wife. Let's yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But uh, what, I, what I keep suggesting to him is just convert to one of those religions where they find you a wife, where that's one of the things. You know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to go to Vienna. I'm going to get on a train to Vienna. Oh, right. Yeah. That, you, uh, I it's mean, a real old school solution. That's it's like a great a way to meet a lady, I've heard. Solution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bring up a copy of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance so you look super interesting. You know I don't like cars or motorbikes. But so you I know, have you, to pretend. You know that's like an interesting book. It's like Isn't a philosophy it? book. I'm going to bring Harry Potter. It, well, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. I would, I would talk to you if you're Harry Potter. <laughs> Even if there was a hot French girl talking to you, I would go, uh, I would elbow in my big smelly Irish train buddy and just go, yeah, you, what, what book you on? Who's your favorite? Because uh, I love Harry Potter. Do you like Harry Potter? No, I just want to clarify that I don't like Harry Potter. Well, I do. I'm a, <laughs> I, want, I'm a, I, want, I want that on the permanent record. That's what I would be reading on a train to attract the right kind of lady. Uh, yeah. I think I would be reading uh, FHM or Loaded. <laughs> <laughs> But like a copy from the 90s, Ooh, but now. swanky. Too good for nuts and zoo, <laughs> I see. Yeah, I'm going to be like, let's look at this picture of Gail Porter. Or uh, Jennifer Car- Ellison. Is, uh, is that another one? Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra would be yeah. one. Kelly Brook. Yes, exactly. Who got That's ripped a- to shreds in Piranha 3D. I watched it just for that. Spoilers. There we go. Uh, yeah, we were, of course, uh, making a, a very parallel reference there to... Uh, before Sunrise, that's what before the first Sunrise, one? yeah, because yeah, we're going to be talking about Richard Linklater's Before Trilogy. Yes, exactly. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, Before the Rain, uh, Before. There's probably just a film called Before, right? Uh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, let me talk about that as well. Probably not a porno because it's not very ear catching. No, these would be a good film to. Uh, I would like to see a porn parody of this. Because you would like to see them consummate sex and not just have an argument like in the third one. Well, they don't. It's not just in the third one. It's not. I mean, it's not just an argument. He also uh, gets to suckle on her teats. He does suckle on her teats. A technical term. Yeah, l- for a lot longer than I've ever seen in a movie that that happening. Well, they're very comfortable. They've known each other for uh, for more than twenty years. They're quite comfortable. This is it. This is it. She was clearly. It had no problems. We're getting, getting the teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, suckle. Such she a funny verb. <laughs> she had a, some kind of suckle clause in the contract. And to enough. suckle. Yeah. I suckled. He suckled. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. he did. He did suckle in Greece. 
Oh, yeah, 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 but we, yeah, yeah. We've skipped far too we've far skipped. ahead because yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to go through a lot of relationship building before you can suckle on a yeah, yeah. a thirty-something lady's breasts. You and they to, do. First, you need to meet up when you're in your twenties. This was my first time seeing these. I'd avoided them for years, which is mad. Yeah. That is insane that you hadn't seen these films. Well, bear with me a second. You just hear the basic outline. For you're too busy reading Harry Potter. This is it. You just hear the basic outline for the first one. Tell me, like nine times out of ten, that movie is naff and shitty, I, in my opinion. Yeah, but it doesn't sound nine good. times out of ten, it's not Richard Linklater. That's or true. Ethan Hawke or Julie. Delphi. That's true, but I don't know where. I, like, I suppose I. Sh- okay, when I, I rewatched Boyhood, maybe last year or the year before, and it did like it fully dawned on me. It's like, wow, okay, the person who made this is a is a full on filmmaking genius. This is a really really special thing, and of course, he made School of Rock, like the best movie ever. But, I mean, it doesn't seem so much his story. But it is a fucking absolutely terrific movie. And then there's Dazed and Confused. So I suppose I... I sh- considering how much I, l- I like Dazed and Confused and Boyhood, yeah, you'd think I would have gotten on board his, you know, realist trilogy, his realist romance tr- trilogy a long time ago because... the w- actually, be Like, both that- Boyhood and Dazed and Confused would have similar potential to be naff and cheesy, and neither of them are. But to be fair, you're not a fan of Waking Life that we've discussed before. Have yes, I hate Slacker? Waking Life. and uh, No, but it sounds like you I wouldn't like, like it. it. You yeah, definitely yeah. won't like it. And there are elements of that in these films because there's certain little anecdotes that they're telling that are very Waking Life, and also the two characters are in Waking Life. That's right. So uh, you can see that there's a crossover there, and if you don't like people being philosophical in a slightly wanky way. But you see, the thing is, in Waking Life, they break into actual philosophers doing actual philosophical rants. And the thing is, is like, I'm interested in philosophy. I've read a nice bit of philosophy. It's But the thing about philosophy is it's super difficult. You've got to read it three or four times to get it. And, well, I did anyway, anytime I've read anything dense or complicated. And there's several dense, complicated monologues in Waking Life that basically you just have to, well, or at least, again, I'll say, I would have to accept the fact, okay, I'm just not getting this. i got to wait until this guy stops talking and the next monologue begins. That would happen to me frequently in Waking Life. I don't remember that. Maybe I watched it with subtitles on, as I do with everything. <laughs> that, probably, that helped. It was more like reading a, a book. But yeah, well, I remember enjoying not Waking Life, but I haven't seen it for about 20 years, so... I would appreciate Waking Life more if I was wandering around a museum and the various uh, vignettes were projected on the wall and I wasn't paying particular attention to any of them, but a little bit of attention to some. Well, maybe you should build some kind of Waking Life museum. I mean, that'd be a heck of a thing to do for a film I explicitly don't (laughs) like. Just to to make a point to Richard Linklater, just buy a space and kit it out with with projectors and cut the movie. We've mentioned a few Richard Linklater films. I, I, I like Tape. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. It's an adaptation of a play. It's just three characters in a motel room and Ethan Hawke. And oh, okay. So he's like his muse, is he? Yeah, Ethan Hawke's done about five or six films with Linklater. He made uh, The Newton Boys. You ever see that? No. I don't think I ever watched that. It's like a, a Western. That was in 1990. Do you have the filmography up there? Yeah, I do. Yeah, It's I'm a blast. It's where do you want to start? Start at the very beginning. Well, uh, Richard Linklater's first film is called It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by Reading Books. Oh, uh, yeah, that looks like it's barely a film. Came out in 1988 on the Criterion Collection edition of Slacker. Yeah, they, you can get they, it there. They bunged that on. Mm. 
Um, yeah, Slacker was up next in 1990. We've talked about that before because it was a big influence on people like Kevin, Kevin Smith. Smith. Yeah, primarily. Yeah, he like, saw that at a film festival and said, "Wow, anybody yeah, can do anyone this. Anyone can make a film. Anyone can follow people walking around Austin. That's all you need to do. Anyone can play guitar. Yes. Days and Confused is up next. I'm a, I, I enjoy Days and Confused. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good movie. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Uh, there's particular it. aspects that stand out at me as being very enjoyable. Of course, the launch of Matthew McConaughey is actually right worth on, the watch. Right on, right He's right. very good. But my favorite aspect of the film is Ben Affleck and what a massive dick he is. I love the fact that he is enthusiastically he really wants to running around that boy's sp- ass. <laughs> spanking <laughs> the asses of young boys, which... I'm sure was based on something real. Yeah, that must have happened to yeah, Richard yeah. Linklater or else Richard Linklater was... I think he was more of a spanky than a spanker looking at his filmography. Yeah. I don't know. There, That's quite a menacing figure, Ben Affleck with a big wooden paddle. Yeah, yeah, it looks really down. sore and he is literally... I'm going to get he wants, you. He wants to smack the young boy's ass so much in it. It's, and that's fair. Yeah, I yeah, I get it. I'll get behind that. So after that was Before Sunrise, Which then we'll Suburbia. Never seen? Suburbia. Is that with what's his chops? Shia LaBeouf or something? No, I'm thinking of Disturbia. Thinking of, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> now this is a. It's an adaptation of an Eric Bogosian play. Oh, is this the one you're talking about? It's got Nicky Cat, Ajay Naidu. Remember him from Office Space, the Indian guy? Yes. Yeah, he's in it. Parker Posey, Giovanni Ribisi, Steve Zahn. Hmm. Some real classics. Yeah, that's Suburbia. You get to see his Willie in the first episode of White Lotus. Well, that I'll certainly be watching White White Lotus then. That's About twelve minutes in, if you don't want to watch the rest. Is it a twelve-minute scene of his penis? No, no, you only seen the Willy for about like it's basically the videotape would have been wrecked in your house years ago. Oh, right? Yeah, really, <laughs> so much rewinding. Just around the twelve-minute mark. <laughs> it's very static on this part of the tape. I don't know why. Nineteen ninety-eight, the Newton Boys, then Waking Life and Tape back to back, and after that, the bizarre kind of uh, left turn with School of Rock. Which is excellent. Yeah, it's a great film. Where I think mm. we talked about it. I rewatched it last year. I think I remember mentioning that it's like, it's there's almost nothing to it in a certain way. I just mean like it's so fast moving. And yeah, it's yeah. It's like a really quick pace. Very nothing funny. surprising happens. It's about the, enjoying the performances, enjoying the music and just having a good time. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Then he made Before Sunset and then the Bad News Bears remake. Which Did you I watch that? didn't watch. No, yeah. we watched the original. We watched the original, but I've seen the ori- I've seen the remake of Bad News Bears. It's nowhere near as good as the original. It just was a sort of a bad idea. A Scanner Darkly, which I um I think I put up for a toss ages ago, which mm. never won. I'd quite like to watch. I don't. I quite like those uh, rotoscope thing. I feel like his most recent film might be rotoscoped as well. The um, oh, Apollo the ten and a half. Apollo ten and a half. Uh, yeah, not hundred percent sure. Fast Food Nation. I feel like I've seen that. I know I've seen I read that. the book, but uh, yeah, I've read the book and I've seen the film. Is it's it a bizarre like a adaptation because it, yeah, 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 they they put they put a few different narratives in the, in it and like Greg Kinnear's in it, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, and it includes some of the a few different anecdotes from the book and just like tries to weave a episodic. So it's like, it's similar to Shortcuts or something like that, mm. but about but it's about an hour and a half. After that, me and Orson Welles. By the way, similar to Shortcuts in that it's episodic in no other way at all. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, okay. So. <laughs> um, me and Orson Welles. I've seen that. Zac Efron's in it, right? Uh, why not? Who, I mean, Orson Welles is in it. Yeah, Zac Efron, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Period drama. Then Bernie, which is a big one that I would like to Yeah, I would like to watch that point. also. Just never got around to that. 
Then before Midnight and Boyhood, I haven't seen anything since Boyhood. I think you have. 2016 was Everybody Wants Some. Yes, I've seen that. I, I quite enjoyed that. That looks like a sort of Dazed and Confused sequel. I would say it's a, it's a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, yeah. Last Flag Flying? No, um, this is the sequel. Brian Cranston the, and the Steve technically Carell. a sequel to The Last Detail because it's a sequel to the book. Okay. But I would be interested in watching that, yes. Where'd you go, Bernadette, in 2019? No idea what that is. Kate Blanchett, Billy Crudup. I mean, they're both people I like. I don't know. Comedy drama. I'm not familiar with that at all. And then most recently was um, Apollo 10 and a half. Yes. Which is animated. And at the moment, he is like in the middle, like, I don't know, at the start of another... Merrily, we roll roll along. Stephen Sondheim adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Which is going to be filming for the next 20 years. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Because it, uh, it happens in reverse... You you see it in reverse chronology. So basically, they're going to be filming the start of the movie in twenty years. Okay, that's bold. That's a bold move. Will it pay yeah, off? Yeah. I uh, mean, it's just like it's a little bit like. Uh, can we get the boyhood guy in for a meeting? I got a pitch. Well, he's got two biopics that are in pre-production or okay, or are moving that way. One of them is an untitled Bill Hicks biopic. Interesting. And another one is an untitled John Brinkley biopic. John Brinkley? Who's that? 20th century con man John Brinkley who claimed to be a doctor and scammed his uh, way to fame and fortune using yes. fake medicine and a popular radio broadcast. Yes, I have heard of him, actually. I think just even reading through that, like, it's safe to say I don't think he's capable of making an uninteresting film, really. Even something like Waking Life, which I do not like. Mm-hmm. There, there's, you could not accuse it of not being interesting. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's a surprisingly large number of gaps of things I haven't seen of his. I think I've seen most of the, the big ones, mm. and the ones that were the, the best received. I definitely want to go in and uh, go back and fill in some of those gaps. But let's get started then with Before Sunrise. So, yes, the first film came out in 1995. It was based on an experience that Richard Linklater had when he was in Philadelphia. He yeah. was traveling through Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Vienna, who knows? Very similar places. Very similar places. Nice uh, architecture. Opera. Yep. And drugs. Crack. I don't know if Vienna has that. No. Top crack in Vienna, so okay. I've heard. All right. So, uh, yeah, he was traveling through Philadelphia. He spent a day with uh, a young lady. Ooh. And, was she hot? Uh, I assume so, because you... You're, if you write a film based on that experience, she's got to at least be okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that cynical of me to say that he's like, no. part of his connection was physical, surely, right? Um, is that bad? Am I a bad person for saying that? Probably realized that he just after many, many tries, he couldn't get her out of his system the regular way that people do. What's that? Well, I mean, <laughs> you can begins with do- for me. it begins with W and rhymes, rhymes with shanking. Okay. I, I don't know what that means, but yeah, well, that, to fill that in yourself. He was whacking off. Okay. He was whacking off. And this, and that was also like, so that meeting took place in 1989. Okay. So it takes a so while I, to bring that to fruition to get. And actually, not a lot of people were whacking off back then. So maybe no, this was her own. That wasn't invented until yeah. 1992. Yeah. There was no such thing as masturbation. But I'll, I'll tell you what, when he, when it, when it became Vogue, I'm sure he, I'm sure he had a retro whack off to that particular lady. What was her name? Her name was Amy Lerhaupt. Well, you know what Lerhaupt. they say, speak ill of the dead. Well, yeah, that's the the, the shocking uh, tragedy was that he kind of, uh, Linklater made the first film hoping that this lady would turn up to the premiere 
she didn't turn up to the premiere. So he probably went, bitch. Yeah, he was like, oh, well, okay, fuck her. Surely she must have heard about this film. But he found out in 2010 that she actually died six months or so before the film ever came out. She died in a, a motorbike accident. Or maybe she faked her own death so she could get creepy old Richard Linklater off her back, stop making films about me. Well, fair enough. I mean, he was uh, he was a few years older than her. Oh, was he? Yeah, she was like 19 or something, and he was like pushing 30, I think. Huh. Maybe not that much, but it was definitely like, it was more. they weren't the same age. So more of a Humbert Humbert Linklater. I'm not saying that uh, Richard Linklater should be dragged across the coals <laughs> forbidden <laughs> from making another film but we certainly need to consider that possibility indeed yes. yeah cancel link later yes but link, link uh, later link never okay as far that's, as i'm concerned that's tenuous but well i will allow it yeah yeah uh, well i really liked this film i didn't think i would at all i was instantly charmed by their sort of uh, banter i think basically when people talk about chemistry between actors this is what they mean that like from the first film there like uh, and i don't know the sec- the sexual tension grows really nicely between them they eventually have a smooch that, you know then ethan hawk is just doing his very best to impress her she realizes she has him in her honey trap so she starts pushing some buttons as well eventually it's the whole movie basically just becomes a giant boner um and uh, yeah it's it kind of i don't know it's really youthful got a great adventurous energy and then eventually when they're saying goodbye at the end i don't know it's just like and they have a big sort of a smooch and say they'll meet each other in six months like that actually had like that had a real effect on me that i wasn't expecting when they're saying goodbye and she just jumps on him and starts kissing him uh i like you know it just i really felt it down in my plums is what i'm trying to say (laughs) okay (laughs) i think uh the thing about this film is you're seeing them already knowing that there's two sequels and the whole the whole trilogy. Yes, which you did not. Yeah, I watched. I think I watched all the films closer to when they came out. So for the first one, there was that sense at the end of like, is that it? Like, you're le- the, the way that the first film is 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 set up is that you you're given that ending and it is very much like a test of you know, are you a, are you a pessimist? Are you an optimist? Or like, do you have any memory of how you would have responded yourself? Well, you if, when, if I was a similar age to these characters, I'm sure very, you would have been rooting for them. Yeah. I would have been rooting them. I would have, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I was very optimistic. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you would, cause like, yeah, particularly at that age, I mean, well, I don't know about you, but I certainly was as full of shit as Ethan Hawke. And Absolutely. In this, I was Absolutely. watching this going, Ethan Hawke, stop stealing my moves. That's or, one of the uh, the hardest parts of watching this is, yes, it's is the cringiness of thinking about some of the things that you did when you were the same age. As On both characters. sides, it was painful to me. It was painful because I could <laughs> see my, I could see my, but no, probably my 16 to 22 year old self, let's say. I would, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but still, enough of myself in the Ethan Hawke character and also enough of the type of ladies that I used to go for yeah. in Celine uh, to, for it to be explicitly painful. It put me to mind of the year I was working in a cinema and uh, there was this aging emo fella. Let's say he would have been 23, 24. Um, and uh, he was, um, we were cleaning up after a screening of um, Twilight and uh, he was going, what a bunch of shit, what a shit, absolute bollocks. And one of my colleagues leaned into me and said, 
you think uh, you think Steve is just basically raging at his younger at the man he used to be and probably still is a bit and I was like that's exactly what is happening right now and uh, yeah I had a similar effect experiencing before sunrise I feel I haven't seen Twilight so I can't I can't comment on that I don't know if it's well it's an emo movie isn't it okay fair enough I don't know I haven't seen them I haven't seen them I need to put them up for a toss eventually hell yeah yeah, well, what this film actually uh, reminded me of, it reminded me of at the Edinburgh Book Festival years and years and years ago. This could be as much as 20 years ago, I'm not sure. I went to see Louis de Bernier. You know him, the author of Captain Girl's Yeah, Captain Girl's Mandolin. I've never read any of his books. I've absolutely no idea why. I, I read was, that one. I've absolutely no idea why I was there listening to him speak. But he told this story that... I, I then I just looked it up recently to see if this was a thing that he if he's told this story many times and he has so mm-hmm. it's like it's out there as a thing. He was talking about a time when he was traveling on a train when he was about nineteen. He was in Colombia and he met this young girl. I mean, hey, she was seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. She was seventeen. He was nineteen. I think he was like working as a missionary. That's I think okay. maybe a, he's also a big Brexit bastard now too. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something else I found out about him. Um, but also, his uh, real name is something like John Smith or something. Like That's just a pen name. Really? Yeah, his name is like, I don't know, John Sinjin Smythe or something. And he's oh, like, God, oh, no, I'm Louis de Bernier. He probably looks like Ian Holm or something, does he? Pretty much. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a bit of a, a bit of a fat, a bit of a fat Brexit bastard, uh, to be honest. But he's telling this story about, so he was 19, he's on a train, he meets this 17-year-old girl. They start bantering. They are basically the same as this first film. They're, they start mm-hmm. having this kind of, you know, they're like, they're getting on really well. He's thinking like, oh, where's this going? This this hot, hot young Colombian lady. And uh, she offers to go and get him a drink. So she gets up and she goes through to like the restaurant car. And in this, this was, you know, this is a long time ago whenever this mm. happened, maybe in the in the 80s or the 70s or something. And so there's a gap in between the carriages. Yes. And so when she goes through, the train lurches and she falls out the train and dies. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and he he was telling this story. That's because, not a fun story. I know, it's not a fun story at all. But he was telling this story. I was because, getting all horny and stuff. <laughs> well, <sighs> write your own ending then. Oh, but okay. He was telling this story because someone asked him if he had faith or not. And he went like, so no, that's why, and that's why I don't believe in God because things just happen. Like these, these, you know, what seems like a great situation can turn bad immediately. But this was during Ed, this was in in Edinburgh during the festival. So just when he said that, the a huge firework went off from like the Edinburgh tattoo. So he yeah. just made this big statement about like that's why I don't believe in God. And then there's just this. In the background, and everyone shat themselves. Oh wow! Which was which was fun. That, that sounds fun awesome, time. yeah. But I've never read any of his books. As I say, he's a big a big Brexit bastard. Uh, but yeah, you can you can find out more about that story. That's that's how this film could have gone. Indeed, yeah. If they t- if it didn't take place in Austria, sounds exciting. Yeah, if she was seventeen, that's that's a different film. Yeah, it is. A that's different a different film. film altogether. Would watch. <laughs> Was this well-received when it came out? It was. It was well-received. You have to bear in mind that the original film, on its own, as not part of a trilogy, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of critical reception, people are just looking at it as like, okay, it's a story of 
of two young people meeting on a train, having a romantic conversation in a from the guy who made Slacker. So mm. it's, you know, it's a couple walking around the town. It was also, uh, it's it's beautifully innocent in its, uh, in the fact that it, like it's a male fantasy down to, you know, the good looking hobo who writes them a poem. It's a male, <laughs> American male fantasy of Europe. Do you but, think it's just that? I th- That seems like the most Richard Linklater thing of like, kind of slacker and everything is like everyone no, no. is a fucking artist they're like you're so bohemian it, you're uh, you're right that that's how he would see europe but yeah, yeah. even worse than that it does just feel like his kind of austin austinization of uh europe kind of yeah i mean you know, i'd say like the, the the thing is i'd imagine like austria like an austrian hobo from the mid 90s was significantly more creepy than that <laughs> yeah um this a uh, handsome poet fella uh, but like the thing is i suppose what i'm getting at i mean Celine, despite the fact that Julie Delpy did, uh, I don't know in the first film, but definitely in the other two, all three films, does she have screenplay credits? So what happened was the original screenplay for the first one was written by uh, Richard Linklater and a lady called Kim Krizan, who part of the, her, she had a similar experience where she met some guy mm. and walked around, some some hot guy, <laughs> walked around a town. Not interested People in that. People were walking no, around thank towns. You. That's what they were doing back in those days. There was no internet, really. So yeah. that's what you had to do. Now people just, uh, meet, uh, yeah. just match in an app and blow each other. Now, yeah, now it's just a, a big meat market. So what happened was they wrote this original script, which once they cast Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, they basically threw most of it away and... The stars kind of worked together. Did, did, a, did a, work a Mike shopping. Lee thing yeah, on it. A Mike Lee on it. Worked together, rewrote the script. They didn't get credit on the first one, which certainly uh, I saw from Julie Delpy that she was quite pissed off about that. I don't know if Ethan Hawke voiced that, but she certainly did, was like, oh, I fucking wrote the script. Ethan Hawke seems like, if you've ever seen him interviewed, Ethan Hawke seems like a remarkably chilled out man. Yeah, he's a bit more happy-go-lucky with this type of thing. Uh, But they were uh, Oscar-nominated for the two other films for Best Adapted Screen. Well, I hope that made her feel better, at least. Who knows? Uh, But yeah, what what I'm saying is, I suppose, um, you know... God, like, if if a character like Celine was just straight-up written by a man, I mean, he would, like justifiably probably be just accused of creating manic, manic pixie yes, dream girls. Uh, yeah, like, does she fall into manic pixie dream girl for you? She's not doing the... No one's ever In the first movie, I'd say she does. Before. Yeah, she's she's more rounded. She's more well-rounded in the in the layer films. Yeah, she reveals layers, uh, layers <laughs> she to... She becomes a bitch. <laughs> ...to get her tits out and become a crazy bitch, yeah. Yes. I like that she becomes a crazy bitch, though. Partic- well, I suppose I like it because Ethan Hawke wins the fights, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> yeah, Ethan Hawke drops a couple of bombs that we'll get to. When we'll get to them, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've re- I wrote a bunch of notes uh, while re-watching the first film, and I don't know what any of them mean. Fair enough. Uh, this was the film I was least looking forward to rewatching. Mm-hmm. I've said Ethan Hawke is very Nick Mullen. That's <laughs> quite niche. <laughs> you look up, look up Nick Mullen, folks. He's Ethan Hawke. Two guys on the bridge, most Austrian guys ever. There, yes. The two theater lads. Well, except for that super famous Austrian guy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a whole other category for him. Uh, yeah, so they, they were uh, they, early on in the film, they're walking across a bridge and they run into these two Austrian actors who are staging a play where one of them plays a cow. Yeah. Would you go to the play? They didn't go to the play. They oh, instead chose not. to go and bang in a park. 
Yeah, hell yeah. Well, I think that's very disrespectful to theater, to to live performance. You see, when I go to European cities, I just basically find the Irish pub that does the best Guinness and just watch Premier Premier League. That's what I do. If this, like, if I, I mean, I remember having similar experiences to this not that many years later, maybe like 2000, 2001. What was his name? <laughs> Jeff. I remember <laughs> had experiences like this and 100% it involved spending 12 hours in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking walking yeah, around. Yeah, no, no, you're different. I, I have a, the only experiences I've ever, I think, <laughs> yeah. one, in, one, in, one in Antwerp, Belgium, one in, one in uh, Stockholm did involve many hours in a pub, yes. The only time when I couldn't do that was when I was 19 and I was in the US and I couldn't legally drink. So had to get someone to buy alcohol from a shop. (laughs) Sit 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 in a park. You can't. Well, they do their drinking in a park. Yeah, fair play. But they're they they are they're old enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creepy moment. Delpy hair on tram. Sophie sits on Mark's hand. Peep show. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he goes to uh, put put her hair out of the way, and he (laughs) he does something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the when they're in the tram near the start. That was the first. Time it kind of dawned on me is like, oh, they're not cutting the camera forever, and they're doing really well with it. And then after that, I would just generally notice how I like. I thought I thought this film was, and all three of them, but like I noted it in the first one, obviously, it was just shot brilliantly, just really, really well shot. Yeah, it's the cinematographer is Lee Daniel, who worked with Richard Linklater in a lot of his early films, and they um like like it's carried along by just being well shot, the great locations. The charisma of the two, like... Well, it was mental that they're filming this all on film. Yeah, like, I know, right? Just blowing takes and other things. I like, wonder. Just got on the, being on the tram. Well, they must have rehearsed the yeah, shit out did, of this. Yeah, they did, apparently. They did, like, eight weeks, just, like, full-on rehearsal and then had it down. Because they were, like, you know, it's the typical thing where people would say, like, oh, it feels so improvised. And they made a point of saying, like, yeah, because we rehearsed, like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it's good. And, like, the thing is, all the, of all the, like, you know, pretentious rot, you know, them pretending to phone their uh, uh, thing and all, all of that, which, I mean, is, you know, it's very young per, uh, yeah. person stuff. But, like, I thought that that would kind of sicken me more, but it really doesn't because I suppose the charisma and the chemistry between them two yes. just carries it over the line. So That's it, doesn't, fair. it doesn't matter what the fuck they're saying, they're just so good together. Yeah. Uh, I do a similar thing with, but I uh, I mime that I'm texting someone and it's uh, wordless. I don't say anything. That's cool. <laughs> it's, like, it's a good bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it really works. Yeah, yeah. So do you uh, <laughs> do you do you telling your flatmate about me? <laughs> I'm just miming texting. I'm just basically doing what Andy just did. I yeah. took his bit. Um, uh, yeah, he was miming texting there, folks. I was, I saw it. So it probably what like despite all this, I would say it is probably my third favorite of the three. I would agree with that because it's it's maybe aged poorly. In some I don't think regards. it's that. I think it's the age of the people in it. Well, so it has okay. in a way, but not in the way people yeah. traditionally mean I, it. One of my other notes, like here I'd say, twenty-two year olds watching it, would this would be their yeah. one. One the, of my other notes here is listening to twenty-four year old trying to get his hole is rough. Yes, indeed. It's not. It's not fun times. It's just you know another. I've written here stardust, which I think is like the fortune teller who says we're all made of stardust. Oh right, yeah. Like that feels like a fucking you know. Uh, yeah. Feels, that feels like a poster that someone has on their wall now, or it's like a face with a cat looking up at the something. sky. We're we're all just on a big ball circling 
the earth. Well, Sorry, circling man. the sun. Sorry. Well, least. Richard Linklater, you're so de- no Richard Linklater. He seems like a nice man. He does seem like a nice man. He's a nice Texan man. Well, my favorite is definitely the second one. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that because, like, I think maybe even the second one coming out might have contributed to me just retroactively never watching the first one. Because I heard the idea of it, and I was like, oh, God, they accidentally meet, you know, in a bookshop in in Paris, and, you know, they rekindled their thing. And I was like, that just sounds like lame as fuck, I suppose, is what I would have thought. Um, but having really enjoyed the first film and seeing that the second film is 80 minutes long, I was like, hell yeah. Sweet. In Sweet like time. Flynn. And then she just shows up, he sees her, they start talking, and it's just spellbinding, in my opinion, that yeah. second film. Uh, once again, shot amazingly. Paris looks amazing. Um, you're kind of rooting for them romantically. And one big difference from the first film is... So, in the first film, you can kind of basically ignore what they're saying uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm sure that that's not the original purpose, and Linklater wouldn't like to hear me say that. But at the same time, it makes a certain sense in the, like, you know, I'm not that age anymore, so I relate to it less, etc., etc. But in the second film, not only are the things that they're saying to each other interesting, you're learning a little bit more about their lives, you know, which, like, I wanted to hear a bit more of that filled out. Um, But the way that at the start they're a little bit awkward with one another and then they're just going back and forth and filling in details and eventually it seems like naturally, because the film is set over real time, and eventually, sort of naturally, they're right back to where they started and then some because he like he's keeps supposed to be going to the airport and he keeps not going to the airport and he eventually confesses his marriage isn't working out and it has a beautifully just nuanced not didactic ending where he's just looking at her dancing to Nina Simone it's pretty clear that he's gonna he's not going to he's gonna be a bad dad (laughs) and husband his his, uh, wife is going to hate him for the rest of his life yeah yeah and that was fairly accurate for Ethan Hawke. He was going through a similar thing, his breakup with Uma Thurman. That's right, because he cheated on her. He did. I think with the nanny, maybe, that he's now married to. Nice. His kid's nanny, that is. That, or I mean... a nanny. Does that definitely ruin your relationship with your kid, too? Uh, they seem okay. I, uh, Ethan Hawke is one of the few actors I follow on uh, on Instagram, and his, huh. his daughter seems to get on quite well with him. Oh, that's good. She's, what- uh, she's, uh, I don't know, she's in Stranger Things. Eleven, no, is that just, the... just season four? Right. <laughs> is that the name of the girl? Yeah, but that's what's her name, Millie Bobby Brown. It's okay, I don't watch Stranger Things. Me neither. But uh, her name's I think her name's Maya Hawk. I want to say Maya Hawk. <laughs> sounds... Maya Hawk, no. Yeah. <laughs> um. So well, anyway, as yeah, I so, said before, so, he just so, seems very chilled out by comparison to an awful lot of the Hollywood crowd, and he is yeah, yeah, he is Hollywood yeah. for sure. He's very famous, like, but he seems like a very chilled out dude. Does he live in Austin, maybe? Is he, is he come back to Austin? Sounds about right. Is he from Austin? He is, but he... Uh, maybe we, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the, about the stars, shall we? Uh, Ethan Hawke was born in Austin. His parents were both University of Austin students when he was born. His, um, his mom was 18 when he was born. No comment. And then uh, they got divorced when he was four. He was raised by his mom. They relocated to, to New Jersey and his mom got remarried. He started acting in high school. He did two years of college at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh and then dropped out when he got Dead Poets Society. Sweet. Captain, my captain. But he seemed like the real sort of vulnerable. He's great in that. 
guy, like, and that reality bites, etc., etc. Mm. Gattaca, great film. Training Day, two thousand. Great film, and he's that? brilliant in it. Yeah, he. That's like he. That's almost like the grown-up version of his character from Dead Poet Society. Mm. Same sort of d- d- nervous, good boy energy. And eventually has to overcome something, you know? It's a, like, it's, a, it's a similar arc to Dead Poets Society, I would say. I feel like Ethan Hawke probably doesn't get that much credit for Training Day because it's all about Denzel's big Oscar-winning role. Uh, Julie Delpy, she's the child of actors, Albert Delpy and Marie Pierre. So no uh, wonder she turned all uh, automatic pixie dream crazy girl. Yeah, there's, there's elements of that in her bio, definitely. Uh, her parents appear at the end of the second film, Before Sunset. Oh, uh, that's right, they're having the party in the courtyard. Outside her, outside her house. She was discovered by uh, Jean-Luc Godard, who cast her in Detective in 1985. She played the amazing role of young girl. Ah, nice. Can you? Re- she's the child of two famous actors. Can you really be like she was discovered? That's what it says in her bio. I don't know. Why All I know discovered is discovered you by talking to your famous parents. From what I've heard, you don't want to be a young girl discovered by a European director <laughs> in the nineteen eighties or seventies. Luke Basson and and that type of thing. Her, yes, that's uh, right. Uh, Julie Delpy's breakthrough came in uh, Europa, Europa. I think in 1990, she played uh, a, a Nazi sympathizer that falls for a Jewish man pretending to be a Nazi. Never seen it. Me neither, but it looks like it's quite good. She was in Killing Zoe. Killing Zoe. She was in the Three Colors trilogy. She's in Three Colors White. Must watch those. She wrote and directed Two Days in Paris in 2007, which is her and Adam Goldberg walking around Paris having a romance. So theft theft then she was in the sequel two days in new york with chris rock double theft in 2012 theft of concept and Walking theft of concept eyes. of series from old dick linklater yeah what what do you think is going to be the the next one two days in uh in prison hopefully for <laughs> stealing his uh, intellectual property two days in Pyong, pyongyang pyongyang wouldn't be a bad one <laughs> yeah two days in mogadishu <laughs> i'd watch that but yes i would I d- definitely watch that most of her bio is her making statements about how feminism is very important to her, but her gang sort of slammed and shot down for other stuff that she said. Um, why is she said not feminist stuff? I think so, kind of. And she gets in trouble. For, she's got in trouble for it. What did she say? I hate women. <laughs> They're bitches. Ah. That's what she said. She's been yeah, reading my blog. Bang out of order, yeah. She's, she's on your side. Uh, no, I don't know. She's just, you know, she's French. She's probably has to just deal with people giving her shit from every angle. Mm. I did think the thing that she says in the second film, she says that French men are not horny. That's not my experience. No, 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 not France. my understanding either. That's of certainly how it works. not. The, it's not the, the the French guy that I, guys that I saw. Yeah, yeah, she was cut off from the French world. Yeah. I'm aware of. Yeah, I think that was that was a, a real work of fiction there. That part. Also. <laughs> a highly silly thing in the second movie is when she uh, says of Shakespeare and Company, oh yeah, it's my favorite bookshop. You can, it's like a super famous tourist place. Like it's forever packed with people just because it's so famous. Cause yeah, that, like that Hemingway was, and Scott Fitzgerald used to go there. And yeah, that, that was the funny thing watching it going like, yeah, that's another big Paris landmark mm. like for me. The other thing that uh, she did, she does in that, in the second film that really pisses me off is where, she does the middle finger thing and she says stop. She's like waving oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and says stop and puts up the middle finger. 
That seems like the sort of thing that a French person circa 2004 would still think <laughs> yeah. was cool, though. To be fair, I bet she didn't write that. That's 100% like a Richard Linklater. Read between the lines. Yeah, exactly. But Before Sunset is the film that I connect with the most. It's the one that... Because it's it's hopeful, mm-hmm. but it's people that have... They've got some miles on the clock, but they're still hopeful of some like building a future together. Mm. It's still not very realistic. <laughs> it's the, Do you think? Well, I don't know. There's, there's. Well, you see the reality of it when you, when you get into the third film, which is the one I relate to most. Yeah, because you know you're in that, you're in the shit, you're in that. Yeah, I will say, like, I would be surprised if my wife and I are, are still, um, are still having arguments that intense. Your wife is far more rational. Yeah, that's I will fair. Give her that. She's a, a scientist. Yeah, she's not the daughter. Because the, the thing actors. is, that's how sort of relationships, I suppose, work if they're going well. Is just that you get better at arguing as you go, and the arguments get more concise and and eventually, like you know, that's how it is. How it's been for us, anyway. We've just gotten better at arguing. That's that's the ultimate signal of pro uh, progress in a relationship. This was my first time rewatching the third film. 2013's Before Midnight. Uh, I can't believe that it's been nine years since it came out. It's a mad period of time. It's, I mean, I suppose they are technically all three of them different from the others, but this one has, like, a full scene without Celine. This one has 45 minutes of other characters yeah, all yeah, sitting yeah. around a table interacting with them in a way that we're like, oh. Because yeah. after that first 45 minutes, it just turns into the, into the classic couple of Jesse and Celine walking around again. Mm. And you're like, oh, thank God. To a certain extent, I don't. And want once to again, like even in the first forty-five minutes, breaks. when they're when they're driving. Sorry, I talked over you. There. No, no, fire away. Wasn't even it? then, that f- that first chunk where they're driving back from the airport, having just dropped off his son. Mm. Once again, like, and I'm, th- uh, I would three films in at this point. I'm going. They're they're such good actors. Yeah. Like that, they're brilliant in that sequence. Yeah. Even though they do something silly, where she tells him this story that she would have definitely told him <laughs> by then. But whatever, I you know. That they they're so good that I believe the character so much that that story put me out of the movie a little bit. It's a, I was kind of like I was, the thing I brought to the to the third film was like my main memory of of it was that Celine doesn't come off well, and the first hour she watching it, I was like, did I misremember that? Was that like, did, am I just have I changed so much over the last nine years that like I've changed as a person? And then when they get to the hotel room, I was like, "Oh yeah, now I remember." <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah. So what? They're they're in Greece. He's been invited by some famous writer who's played by some other guy. I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the cast members. Uh, the guy Patrick, the old man who invites them, is Walter Lassley. He was he's an Oscar winning cinematographer from Zorba the Greek. Mm-hmm. I think he moved to Greece at some point. He is now a friend of the show. Sad to say, he died a few years ago. God rest. He's with uh, he's with an elderly lady friend who's Xenia uh, Kalu Garopoulou, who play she plays the role of Natalia. She was a famous Greek actress in the sixties. And then some of the other people around the table in those early scenes, you've got Athena Rachel Sangari, who plays Ariadne. She studied in Austin. She met Richard Linklater there. She was in Slacker as the cousin from Greece, I think. Nice. Uh, she produced Yorgos Lanthimos's films up to and including Alps, and she directed a film called Attenberg, 
which stars Yorgos Lanthimos and, and Ariane Labed. Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos plays this engineer who has sex with a prostitute. Nice. Called Ari- who's played by Ariane Labed. Who and she, they're now married. They're married in real life. She played. She plays Anna in this film. And she's a maid midnight. in the Lobster. She's a maid in the Lobster, and she was in Assassin's Creed. We saw her in that. She was Maria, the assassin in the past, who's dancing around. We don't really get any sense of her character at all in that film. What a terrible movie! A piece of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up there with like, not an enjoyable bad movie. Mm. Very bad. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, she's been married to Yorgos Lanthimos since 2013. Only film of his that she's been in uh, since then is uh, The Lobster. Which is a good movie. That's it. She hasn't been in anything else. Maybe he likes to keep his personal life separate. She must be pissed off, though. Sorry, I'm just going to get some batteries. I left behind that tree over there. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that bit. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) I'm sorry I was masturbating behind those rocks over there. I'd quite like to rewatch that. (laughs) Me too. It made me laugh a lot when we watched it. So, uh, yeah, that's the first 45 minutes of Before Midnight. We we spend a lot of time with these characters. and Bohemians. I think it's, yeah, it's ultimately to the detriment of the film. It's There's some interesting back and forth. Yeah, I don't know. I think changing the formula there is like, okay, they've widened the scope of the world, but they've kind of changed what these films are. Mm. And rewatching those parts, it's all Greek people, some of whom who are like related to each other. Yeah, the young boy is like the grandson of uh, Patrick, and they're all talking about banging because they're Greek. I was th- I was thinking when I was watching it um, during that scene, I was anticipating like a little bit where I w- it was disappointing to see not to see them interacting with their daughters more. Because you have this nice They're scene. barely characters in the yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. They're, well, they're not characters in the film. No, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like the, the most sort of model-type casting. Yeah, yeah, they for sure. They found these two little Just like blonde-haired yeah, twins who gorgeous speak English looking and French. kids, yeah. and, and then that's it, yeah. Um, and like you've got... Because you do have a nice scene with a really good performance, but whatever the kid was who plays um, his son, Hank. Hank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was actually really good at the start of the movie. Yeah, that kid, uh, his name is uh, Seamus Davy Fitzpatrick. He was a kid in the Omen remake. Not seen it. And he was in Moonrise Kingdom. Don't like it. Fair play, I agree. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought he was really good in the film. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was disappointed. Because the thing is, that's kind of who they are now, is their parents. You know what I mean? And it would have been good to see a little bit more of that. Hmm. I would have liked to have seen what they're like as parents together. Yeah, because you do parent together. I like, uh, and it's, you know, it's very definitive of where you are in your relationship, how you work together with kids. Um, and yeah, it would have been interesting. I think. I think you might actually. I think, you know, he had probably had the choice between that and because the the film could have just as easily been them going to like a hotel or some version of an Airbnb, eventually getting the girls to bed and then having that argument. Sure. But I, he went for the intellectual back and forth with the Greek bohemians. And uh, I think you're right. I think in I the think end... I think he just wanted to hang out with those people. Yes, I that think so That just feels too. like a kind of holiday get-together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he's was got... Fun they're all to make. sort of... They're from the, the Yorgos Lanthimos, the Yorgos yeah. Lanthiverse. Because the thing... What, what's it? Um, uh, Mark Kermode says... Um, 
the more fun people appear to be have the more fun people appear to be having making a movie likely that'll take something from the fun that you'll have watching it mm. um and yeah, i'm not saying way I, too much fun i didn't i didn't i didn't dislike that scene but it definitely it breaks the rhythm of the trilogy yeah 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 that's how i would that's why i would say about it and like I said, uh, it's, it's particularly of the first one, but definitely true of the second and the parts of the third once everybody fucks off, or rather they fuck off, is that an awful lot of why this works is the flow and the charisma and the chemistry between the two. And that's a completely different dynamic. I find it quite hard to watch this time round, knowing what's coming, when it all starts to go off the rails when they're in the hotel. Do you remember just watching people arguing? <laughs> it's like I felt like I was their kid in the other room. Yeah, yeah. So they arrived to this hotel in this hard. super like uh, picturesque little town, and they check in. Nice and um, yeah, they I don't know. They sit down by the water. They get back to the room, and then it's it's uh, suckling time. Yeah, yeah. He's suckling, suckling on some, some titties. titties. But then her phone rings, and it's his son, and she answers, and he has to talk to him, and she doesn't let him. And I have to say. I am with him on that. I'm like that is that's- a weird move. It's not. Her, it's not her son. Yeah, and she is like, ah, he just wanted to talk to me, and she gives the excuse that he's just about to board the plane. But basically, pass the fucking phone over immediately. Yeah, yeah, totally. Get off the line, you. Because, like, look, we both know that if it exists, there is porn, right? Hank fancies his stepmom on a level, right. I think. <laughs> I haven't thought about that, yeah. Totally. And as Ethan Hawke says later, Jesse says later in the scene, we both know how your French ass works. That's true. So, I mean, she is the type of stepmom, who, stepmom who'd be in for that kind of thing, so... <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that is harsh but fair. Yeah, 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 indeed. But anyway, then their big old, uh, their big old argument starts, um, and... Uh, what are the two zingers that Ethan Hawke lands? Well, the first one is... Oh, because he, the, first the, of all, he wants to move back to America, which he does ask in a pussy way, I'll say that. Um, but if you don't want to, we don't He wants to. to go back to yeah. Chicago to be... Chicago. To be close to uh, his son, Hank, because... Oh, yeah, because then we learn... when he blew up the relationship with his ex-wife by shagging this French lady... Uh, she was not too happy. She wasn't too impressed. So she's basically tried to I limit mean, his interaction with his son. When you think about it, when she got a tough old deal, that when, lady. When you think about it, when he published that book, <laughs> she read it, <laughs> and oh then he said, gosh. "I'm going to France <laughs> on a book tour." Yeah, that's a dick writing's idea. on the wall. Like, yeah, that is accurate. Yeah, no, that's like. I think there's there's a funny sketch or there's a there's a good film in here of just everything from her perspective from that lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's just had her life fucking destroyed, and she's pay- she's played by like Tony Collette on hyper <laughs> yeah. hyper manic mode. Yeah, absolutely. She um, should be hard work too. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's two moments where Jesse comes out with lines that make Celine walk out because they're just absolute mic drop. Yeah, like perfection, just dropping fucking bombs. And uh, yeah, the first one is when he says, "If you put, if you put the effort that you put, that you spent bitching, whining, and worrying into playing scales, you'd be Django Reinhardt." Oh yeah, that's right. Because she's talking about, I wanted to play the guitar. <laughs> she was pretty good. I think she's pretty good playing. Uh, yeah, she is. Yeah, she's, she's uh, a good singer. She plays a, a nice, simple song, but she sings very well. 
she, I think she plays three songs in the soundtrack of the second film. And also, she plays him like a fucking flute near the end of the movie. She's like, well, one's about my cat, and one's about my thing, and the other one <laughs> is though definitely the one you should pick is about you. And then the other one, she's talking to her, to her about this. She said, he says, that time you visited your ex-boyfriend after his mother died. I know you. I know you at least blew him because I know how your French ass works. Just and she gets very angry and leaves and goes and sits by a cafe. Mm. She sits in a cafe down by the sea. The interesting thing about them is the right. So the way they fling accusations of infidelity at one another. I mean, I like if she's French. <laughs> if my wife threw one of those at me, I'd be like, what? fuck are you talking about um but the thing is they're they're both infidels i suppose you could like if that's what is that is, is that how you use that word yes infidels that's correct. well i mean they both know each other to have records of being unfaithful generally but has she i mean she's only going along with his thing well that's is true that, is that bad does that make her should she be stoned to death for that in your book no okay just checking not stoned to death no <laughs> stoned to some mi- minor discomfort, like mm. a few pebbles, should be cast her way. Because the thing is, that actually does do an echo of a thing I heard Ethan Hawke say in an interview one time. Uh, him t- saying, like... I enjoyed shagging my nanny at the <laughs> time. But him saying that, like, the idea that, like, uh, cheating... The idea that cheating is this just apocalypse to relationships is juvenile and stupid, and it's not people... People aren't understanding what it's like to be an adult by thinking like that. And uh, I get the philosoph- uh, philosophizing of it that he's he's up to there, but I think anybody too much me thinks anybody shopping that sort of horseshit is just <laughs> is just just wake up, just stop it. <laughs> uh, that's genuinely what I think. Yeah, that that's fair because that feels like such uh, like I want to justify my own behavior. Like it's it's like whenever you hear of anybody saying, "Oh, we're in an open relationship." Well, I'm sure one of you is anyway. Yeah. You know. One of you is in a happy open relationship. The other one is just miserable, putting up with it to try and keep you. Maybe she'll change her mind eventually. But that uh, that uh, that aspect of the plotting here, the fact that they're both kind of like they're accusing each other of they're accusing each other of maybe cheating. Like I don't know. Let's say my wife might accuse me of. I don't know what the equivalent is, and I don't want to say anything on mic, but <laughs> uh, like I don't know something inc- something incidental, but definitely bad, but definitely something that I might do. Right. Well, yeah, maybe, but that's could be. This is what their relationship is. They're very philosophical. They're mm. in touch with their emotions. I'm too. They're- I am also. <laughs> I'm an emotional. She's man. French. She is French. He's a horny ass uh, boy from Texas. He is a horny. You see him check out the young lady earlier in the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah disgusting yeah but then uh, they mend uh, their bridges by he goes out there and makes her laugh and yeah he does his whole shtick of uh, hey i'm a time traveler and my machine only works when i suckle on teats <laughs> yeah exactly one of those teat suckling which uh, once again Wells i'm gonna say ethan hawk quit stealing my moves man <laughs> I, ca- I came from a very sexy future where we're gonna sexy you up with sex yeah there's a lot of that. Well, by the end of the film, they've kind of become the couple that we see on the train at the start of the first film, the arguing couple. Yeah, arguing it's interesting. German, yeah, I suppose. I think shouting each other, going like, fuck you, you dick. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's cyclical. That's how mm. life goes, and then you die. Cyclical. Yeah, that too. 
Um, Sick. Like, oh. I, uh, are, are you optimistic for them at the, the end? You have to be because you're... Yes, I am. I was. <laughs> you're in it. <laughs> no, no, no. I would say I am. Am I? No, I haven't thought about it much, actually. Let me... Um, when you... I, I do feel slightly uncomfortable when I'm here and you have a big raging argument with your wife that makes me feel uncomfortable. Has that ever happened? No, I don't think so. But now you've opened up the possibility that it does happen. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We, of course, we have raging arguments. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to talk everything out. In a um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I suppose we like we're still together and get on great. So we sort we do sort them I out. Have a kid. Yeah, so. yeah. I I don't know. It does it does definitely seem like for all it's in a weird way they love they love each other in their own way. It feels like it feels like they both love and tolerate one another. Which he tolerated. Is he, this is this biased? Are we coming at this from a biased perspective to say that he tolerates her? He says that directly to her. Like, yeah, you're not going to find anyone else who'll put up with your crazy French ass. Uh, yeah, I I do think there is an element of that to it for sure. But I mean, she co-wrote it, so is she ha- like? Because I feel like she might have been shot down in the writing process, <laughs> being forced into making her character mental. Maybe because it's. I think she's happy about that because she's up against like those two, Linclair and Hawk, basically. I'm assuming it's like a three person thing. And they were like, you know what would be good? If your character became a crazy bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, well, uh, how about like she's not that? And they're like, well. No, we think. We're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. We've had a discussion. Yeah, we think that. We think we should make you mental for the last 45 minutes of the film. I mean, she's good at it. She is good at it. She delivers. Maybe she's playing herself. Maybe, yeah. But am I optimistic for them? I. They're realistic. He now. seems to. He, I think he seems to love her more than she does him. I think that's fair. But I she think also she's in a. She's in a. Stuck in this cycle of just giving out about him in a way that I have seen in a lot of couples, and those yeah. couples stay together. Yeah. She doesn't want to go and live in Chicago. Like that's understandable. Isn't yes. that like a murder capital? Yes. Plus, I mean, we've it's better living in Europe. We've yeah. discussed yes. this. Yeah, yeah. Just, just <laughs> there. They live in Paris, and they they just spent like a summer in Greece. Said it before. I'll say it again. Americans going around the place saying it's the greatest country in the world. You feel the need to say it that often. <laughs> Might not be. Just saying. I, my aunt lives in Chicago. She <laughs> says it's quite nice. She says it's quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I like America. For I non-racial just, reasons. I just wouldn't want to live there. Uh, yeah, me too. I love traveling around America. Those are great but times, great times. But you know what? I like living in Europe where you can live like a bum and it's acceptable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I like the, uh, you know, I like healthcare. Yeah, I do like. I like care. the fact. I don't that even use it that often. And I, I still like it. Do like the fact that you can't just go buying guns. Like I have to say, I'm sorry, and I understand. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, American listeners. I understand the ph- philosophical argument. I've listened to both sides of it time and time again. But then, whenever I just line it up beside the statistics, I just go, uh, "Oh yeah, that sucks. They got, they have to fix that problem." <laughs> what if you were if you were born with guns? It must be quite hard. I, I don't mean as part of your body, but if you grew, I know what you mean. <laughs> if you grew up in a world with guns, where oh, I do know what you mean, but. The, yeah, yeah, totally. But I, I, I like this is where the this is where the interesting question of like gun lobbies come in because the thing is, 
When you look at the, the statistics and the availability of guns and you compare them to the other countries, of course the availability is the problem. Of course it is. No, that doesn't make sense. I'm glad that right. when we, we got at this point of the trilogy, it's obvious that we have to start talking about gun laws because yes. that's the next step. That's what happens in the fourth film. Uh, one Move of back them, to Chicago. One of them shoots each Hank other. does a mass shooting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately, that does feel like it would be. I mean, I don't think there should be a fourth film. Oh my they, god! Imagine a fourth film where they where it's only going to get worse. It's just Celine living alone <laughs> in Chicago, occasionally visiting Hank in prison. What about? Or, we need to talk about Kevin because he's massacred a school. What about a, a film that's mostly in flashbacks? Yeah, it's her living by herself, and it's in flashbacks of all the brutal things that have happened. Everyone else is dead, and Ethan Hawke is dead. Yes, I would. Uh, I, I'd watch that. I'd watch just a silent film of her walking around her flat if if kevin and we need to talk about kevin had just killed john c Riley, he would have been a hero you think so his he character nice is such guy. a, you didn't like such john c. a stupid douche in that movie i hate his character i mean i i also think you're supposed to hate his character by the way i think he's just a wanker can you imagine john c Riley being married to tilda swinton does that seem like a, a couple to you I just can't put those two together like a like Ken and Barbie dolls. Well, they meet in the tomato fight in Europe, don't they? Anything can happen there. Is that what is that what happens? They or meet they, in the, the it, like the you see a flashback Tomatino to when they thing. met and they went to the yeah. it's in Valencia, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 around there. Yeah. yeah, is that where they meet? That's what. A, I mean, I like I like John C. Riley, but I can't envision him as. Uh, Are you referring to his big mucky Irish head? <laughs> is is that, that the problem? Yeah. <laughs> He's that like his big potato head. Is yeah, that the problem? Like, what's that character he does? Like Doctor Brule or whatever? It's Steve Steve Brule. It's that basically. He's, yeah. he's got a weird head. He's a he's a funny guy. He's a weird guy. We're funny guys. This was fun. This banter. <laughs> but we've got to we've got to we've got to we've got to talk about we next week, right? We need to go. Yeah. All we've right. Only done an hour, which is impressive. That is. Uh, that's, well, <laughs> that's good because I feel like we covered everything. So God. First draft, first time, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I have anything... Uh, I mean, final draft, first time, but whatever. I don't think I have anything. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say about Before Midnight is watching Americans play football in films is always a laugh. Yes, it is. That was good, watching them like attempt to kick a, a soccer ball. And that's it. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke doing that character in the car where he's like, I don't ogle girls, I make a love to them with my eyes. Mm. Would you watch a film of him just doing that character? If he was played like by Adam rapist? Sandler. Yes. <laughs> oh, Adam that Sandler film exists. I think it's was. called uh, You Don't Mess With the Zohan. I enjoyed that. I, I love that movie. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very funny. All right, then, I think we can uh, we can say goodnight. It's, it's midnight. Wait a minute, Andy. Trilogy. I mean, we, we have to say, do a coin toss. We do have to do that. I mean, we can put this trilogy to bed and say goodbye. Good night. Later. We do have to do a coin toss. And uh, we took a week off. But at some point in that time, Vangelis died. The Indeed he did. Of many films. And we texted each other with the same film. At the exact same time. Oh, no, wait. I texted you and then you said. I said I was, I was, just actu- thinking, yeah. I was actually thinking of that film too. So yes. you tell me your film, because I've chosen a different film and, and in response. So the film is uh, 1492, Conquest of Paradise, Ridley Scott film, starring Gerard Depardieu as Christopher Columbus, about the discovery of America. Who else is in it? Sigourney Weaver or something? Not sure. I can't remember. 
Uh, well, so yeah, I chose that, but then I changed my mind and I went for another film scored by Vangelis, uh, something I haven't seen since I was in primary school and where this was at the film house in Edinburgh, probably would have been in the 1980s, where a young boy in front of us was wearing a Celtic shirt and one of my friends spent the entire film kicking him, <laughs> kicking his chair and making comments going like 2-1, two, because two, Hibs had just been Celtic at the time. And the boy turned around and went like, have you got a problem? Oh, wow. Even like Scottish children are hard <laughs> and know the rules of, of, hard of, as fuck. of conflict. And that film that we were watching, which led to such conflict, was 1980's Chariots of Fire, which is partially filmed around Edinburgh. I go. did not know that. Yeah. I did know that um, Ian Holm does blau- uh, brownface for it. I've seen Chariots of Fire know. a few times. See, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I haven't seen Chariots of Fire, I think, since I was in primary school. I don't really remember it for that well, so I went for that. Dun, 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 well, I remember the dun. music. I have a coin. It's one of your five cent coins of the euro variety, which means you've got one side has a five on it. It's fucking impossible to see in this light. And the other side has some other shite that's not a five. It looks like it's either mountains or something, or it's the Sagrada Familia. Mountains every time. Okay, it's probably the Sagrada Familia, but we'll say that. And it is mountains. Hell yeah. Do you want to hear what you could have won? Yeah, tell me what could I have won. Uh, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna shove at you to go with the running theme, uh, Robert Towns' film. I think it might be his directorial debut, uh, Personal Best. That sounds like a film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've never heard of it. But Robert, what else did Robert Town do? Did he do the two well, he wrote, or whatever? Well, no, I don't think he directed. No, Jack Nicholson directed that. Oh, he wrote. He? Uh, he wrote numerous things in the seventies that were all right. kind of big hits. Chinatown is probably his crowning glory. Oh yeah, but he he did some more. Like he did, he did an awful lot of script doctoring on almost everything in that. Why era. do I know about that? What was in a book? Was it in that Easy Rider? Yeah, Raging yeah, Gold? he plays yeah, a, yeah. a prominent part in Easy Rider Agent Gold. Sounds familiar. Well, I'm never going to watch Personal Best. I'll make that statement right now. But mm-hmm. the one Me thing neither. that we are going to watch is something that you've seen before. And because I wanted to go for something with a similar theme of, of discovering, discovering the world, which was completely uninhabited before Christopher Columbus set sail across awesome. the ocean. And we've seen Lost City of Zed and the mission and Embrace of the Serpent and the Bounty. So I went for Werner Herzog's 1972 film, Agiri, the Wrath of God. Nice. I don't know anything about this. I know that it came up on a list of things that were similar to that Ridley Scott film that we're going to watch. I mean, it's highly, highly acclaimed, uh, almost deliberately alienating in parts, but I think it's a, I think it's a, a pretty... Excellent film. I've seen it on the, on the big screen and everything. So I think these are quite long films as well, right? No, Aguirre is quite short. Thank fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A fourteen ninety two, I think, is as long as a fucking journey. Yeah, it's long. I, That's I, how it got I, its name. Pardon? That's how it got its name. Fourteen ninety two. Exactly the, for the minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many days is that? Or. <laughs> I mean, you should start watching it now, is I think. Indeed, and indeed we shall. That's what me and Andy are off to do, to watch. However, that won't be the next episode. The next episode is going to be Top Gun, Maverick, which is a sequel to Mel Gibson's Maverick. (laughs) And it is another Western where his character has to go to saloons. And And be magic. He's magic in the end. He steals money and he tricks people out of money and stuff. You want to know how I did it in the end? Magic. Yeah, that's, that's what he familiar. says. I remember liking that movie. 
you know who's responsible for all of the world's ills? <laughs> yeah, I think they cut that scene. No, they cut that scene. Yeah, they it's on the DVD. Yeah. Didn't make it. All right, cool. Well, uh, in that case, nothing to do but say uh, I love you all and love, you, Andy. Yeah, I love you too, sugar tits. All right. <laughs> I'm off to suckle. Uh, yeah. Me too. I'm gonna something. go suckle. Yeah, you should <laughs> suckle your wife. I'll just I'll make my way silently out the back. All right, sweet. I mean, there's ladies around the neighborhood who are more okay. than willing to be suckled. All right. All right. Okay. Peace out, yo. Bye. Let me sing you a waltz out of nowhere, out of my thoughts. Let me sing you.